Bira sat peeling the dead skin off his foot, biding his time till his cellmate rose up to leave for the bath. He got off the wobbly bed, lifted up one of its leg, and picked up a sharp stone flake concealed underneath it. He had found a flat stone in the yard and had been sharpening it against a boulder protruding out of the wall. He tested it against the hair of his arm and carefully shoved it between his legs. Like every day, Shehzad was standing next to Gardan under a cold water stream in a corner. Water trickled down the showers, echoing across the bath. Bira quietly walked in and slipped under a shower near his target. Bira retrieved the flake and shifted it on the inside of his huge spanning palm. In a sudden set of simultaneous actions like a deadly machine, he slipped inside his target and managed to graze the flake across Shehzad's thigh. He had meant to slit Shehzad's wrist, but sensing the threat, his target forced him away at the last moment. Bira now laid flat on the slippery floor. The blood from Shehzad's thigh and Bira's injured head glimmered all over the floor. In between the action, Gardan stood frozen under the water, staring, stupefied at the sight of blood oozing from Shehzad's skinny red thigh. His body soon sprang into action. Bira gathered himself and charged back at Shehzad, his feet slapping the film of water on the floor with every step. The flake inside his palm was lost now. He rushed towards Shehzad with his hand stretched out for the neck. However, before he could sh- grab Shehzad, Gardan lunged in to take Shehzad out of harm's way and scream for help. Bira lost balance again, but this time he maneuvered his torso by clinging onto the shower heads. Before him, Gardan and Shehzad had collapsed by the drain. He now had them cornered. But before he could take one more step, the guards came rushing in and dragged him away. While Shehzad was being taken away, Gardan picked up the flake lying on the drain cover and tucked it under his armpit. He sternly walked towards his cell while the guards were still swarming around Shehzad. He covertly slipped past the horde of inmates who were gathered outside the shower stalls to look at the commotion. Mud had settled so hard into the paper that Rubel had lost all hopes of retrieving the text of the letter. That's all he had. that one corner of rotting confusion as irritable as a hiccup in the night he could snort some easy and find peace but in the daytime while posing as obel it was too risky it was too good for his taste in fact as things were turning out in his favor he was strolling against the footpath hands tucked in his suit's soft pockets the cold breeze of the day blew by robbing him of heat from his nape and armpits and the sun wasn't helping much Having walked a couple of blocks north of his office where the library was, he stood heaving outside a massive brown structure, accepting its desolate welcome. It was the only place he could think of to find old newspapers. When he walked inside, the interior transported him back in time. There was no clocks or people in sight and time seemingly slowed down. He went to the attendant's desk that was right in the middle of the small lobby. The temperature was cozy inside and he could smell the bittersweet odor of aging paper enveloping the air around him. For a while, he stood staring at the attendant stooping over the desk and then managed to croak out some words. The attendant responded in short, soft syllables out of respect for the silence of the library. 
His voice assimilated with the pulse of the library. He guided Rubel through the lobby, through maze of bookshelves, and then to the newspaper archive on the second floor. He moved towards the shelf towards the left and lowered a stack from a nearby stand as Rubel watched from the doorway. He left Rubel alone after he had shown him how to use the printer. Alina Mebi was found dead in her Sector C apartment on the morning of 11th February. The cause of her death was reported to be a sudden cardiac arrest. Her photo on the obituary indicated otherwise, which painted a picture of the woman at the peak of her health and so did the editor who had published a full-page opinion. Alina was a socially active woman and once was also rumoured to be a serious choice of the committee for the governorship. Her role had included active participation in child failure and sports encouragement across both LNIs, whose futures were now deemed uncertain after her untimely death. Rubel read all the articles while trying to make sense of what the letter may have meant. With each photo, he was getting close, yet not close enough to the truth. She looked like a dove, full of hope and grace. She seemed much taller than maybe in some photos. There were a couple of articles full of speculation over the silence of the family regarding the death for a couple of weeks and then began a streak of Mebi Jr. marrying Devina, the fashion icon and owner of Devina, a fashion label that Mebi wore and endorsed. He scanned through the remaining newspaper and piled them up together so that he could go over the important dates again. This time he studied the pictures well. His hand grazed over a badly lit photograph of a building which was probably captured past dusk. It was a building where she was found. He recognized this building. The pat on his back, he thought, was from the attendant, but he was greeted with a kiss on the lips where he turned around. Amara, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? She asked. She kissed him on the cheek again, this time letting her lips rest on his cheek till she felt his breath and he felt hers. Their body mingled in the middle of the dusty musings of the past. Haven't we been over this before, dear? She whispered. Rubel remained quiet. He quietly tried to piece things up in his mind. He realized he was not shuddering next to her anymore. He was not afraid. He was not a murderer. The building in the picture, he recalled, was the one where Amara was staying. Nobody tried to kill her. Amara spoke. She tried to rock him in her arms. Let me drop you home, Rubel said. Shahzad's torn thigh was sewn together as a nurse on duty. There were heavy blood loss that was supplemented by Jung. The nurse then shifted his attention to the next bed and fixed Bira. Both of them were heavily sedated, tied tied to their beds and not to be released till the next afternoon. In the meantime, Gardan Singh, the sole and up-close witness to this crime, sat narrating his story at the feet of jailer Kagno. He parroted the happenings as they were, only keeping the whereabouts of the weapon to himself. In his lies, Gardan was believable and flawless. He was allowed to go for lunch after a formal examination by the nurse. Jung moved like he was the oldest guy inside Dark Hope. He slowly raised his head to look at Gardan Singh, who was waving at him from their regular table. I have a way out, Gardan said. Energy was surging through the old man's veins. You have to work a bit though. This guy, my cellmate, who tried to kill your nephew, find out where he is from. Yes, it's essential. You're asking me to befriend the killer of my nephew? 
Oh please, everyone knows how much you hate the brat. I'm sure he must have had his reason to kill the boy, but we don't know that. You just see where he is from and find out all you can about his family and friends. It would mean gold if you can find out what exactly he is in for. The guy talks as dumb as he looks for God's sake. And what will you do? Junk questioned. I'll get us some money or guns whichever works. Gardan then picked up his plate and shifted to another table. He ate alone and stared enough around the canteen. The commotion in the prison was usual. Stabbing and molesting inmates was as common as sneezing in Darko. Gardan quietly thanked his unknown parents for his looks. He was not a complete mess, but at least he was not a doll for other inmates, unlike Shahzad. That guy will clearly get some, he believed. He gazed around for quite some time and found Shahzad's friend at a table. They usually chatted raucously, but today it was quiet. All of them looked concerned. Gardan slipped past the last inmates in the yard and managed to sneak in the medical hall. He walked around a few empty beds and found Shahzad. For a guy who had been through such horror, there was still a lot of light left in his eyes. Gardan took a seat next to him. There was no time for pleasantries. Hey, can you get a message outside? Gardan requested. Why? Shahzad asked. We need a friend to visit us. I'll talk. Just give me the details. No details. You can't trust anyone. See if you can get it done by tomorrow, Gardan said. I'll get it done now. Hey, Shahzad called out as Gardan turned around to leave. Any problem? Gardan asked. Thanks for saving my ass. Anything for you, boss? Gardan, as if reminiscing about something, waved his hand in disregard and disappeared in the dark. It was definitely the same apartment building. Rubel assured himself on his way back from Amara's place. They had not talked much in the cab except for her blabbering. It was after dropping her off that he let the cab take a turn around the corner and asked the driver to stop. How could she still live there? He asked himself. His coat flung over his shoulder. He walked lazily by the walkway. His back had given out after hunching over the archived newspapers all afternoon. Soon, he was passing through a neighborhood he had never been to before. The buildings were small and clumsy, gigantic dumpsters with pamphlets pasted to them with too much gum lay at the mouth of each narrow alley, blocking half the way. The rest of the half was covered in liquid that had lost their tone and odor to an overpowering stink of urine. When he realized he had wandered too deep, he decided to turn right to cut short to the way he had come from. He wished he could stop by and pick up some easy, but in outer Illinois, he was obel. It was too risky. Before the paranoia of being alone could kick in, he turned to the alley and carefully started skipping over the puddles. He heard two voices whisper behind him when he was midway. They sounded erratic. The alley was shrinking and shrinking the further he went. He feared that he would reach a dead end. He looked over his shoulder and spotted two shabby-haired men following him. One of them had dyed his head blonde. They giggled when he turned his head. Something was rotten. His memories instantly flashed back to the night of the attack like it had never vanished out of his memory. He had allowed himself to be engulfed so much by the quest of the ruined letter that he had wandered into a guagmire like this. Isn't he the governor's chap? The blondie whispered to the other. Nah, dumbass. 
why would a fancy man like him do in the swamp but look at his clothes just look fancy the blondie pointed his finger almost touching ruble's waist nadu would have surely seen him but he's not the governor's chap for sure definitely seen him yeah the blondie acknowledged both of them walked next to each other they almost scraped their shoulders against the walls as they paced ahead ruble saw no end to the alley somehow the afternoon had turned darker with the deepness of the alley his heart grew fuller with each nervous step his shoulder almost brushed the narrow walls of the alley hey one of the stalkers yelled stop now was not a time to be an obnoxious douche from out of elena ruble flayed his hands in the air and shot off like a rocket the voices followed close behind him it was quiet for a while however soon his breath gave out and his starry lungs wheezed the blond guy quickly gained on him and grabbed him by the shoulder got him when ruble stared in his face his spit firing mouth ruble forgot to panic he cannot hurt me he thought or maybe he can but his heart chose to believe the lie who are you the other one asked after hustling ruble down in a corner aren't you the governor's what's that called asked the blondie he was perched on one knee the lapel of ruble's coat was clutched in his palm and he was yanking in it with the motive of tearing it off his body shut up his friend smacked him in the head he closely watched ruble's face and then in a moment of wonder ripped off a pamphlet off the wall this is who you are he exclaimed genuinely surprised at the coincidence the pamphlet had ruble's face printed under a pack of cake batter damn what are the odds so who are you he turned back to ruble don't worry it's just a bed between us who am i ruble babbled in tremor shocks to his psyche was unexpected when he had expected a physical beating who was he who are you who are you they barked i i'm just an actor are you the blondie cackled now act like you're giving us your wallet His palm hovered right in Ruble's face, so close that one bad move could have turned it into a fast approaching fist to his face. Ruble pulled his wallet out of his pocket and placed it in the upturned palm. The watch. He unclipped the expensive piece and dropped it in. Enough play. Let's empty all his pockets and buzz off. The other one barked. Okay, okay, the blonde said. Ruble his eyes closed felt the palm crawl around his thigh and robbed him naked the palm then pulled his lapel and tried to get in his coat pocket the letter he thought no that's all i got he fended off the incoming hand the blondie clutched ruble's chin with the other hand and pinned his head back his other hand went deep in his pocket and came out with a third like piece of paper that's his all he passed it to the other guy all for this He screamed as he bent down on Ruble's face. His leg then recoiled, his knee landing with force on Ruble's chest. He crumpled the pulp and flung it in a dumpster. Ruble coughed, spewing out phlegm. With watery eyes, he watched them run away. His body lied on the ground, coughing and sniffing. Fat teardrops rolled across his face. Soon the sky gurgled and the pattering of his receding footsteps turned into a splattering of rain onto the tin roof hats. 
Rising water in the drain clogged Ali drenched the bottom of his trousers. It sloshed into his shoes and his ears. The taste of his salty tears was washed away. The throbbing inside his chest had taken a back seat now. There was only one question driving him crazy. Who was he? Now, there was only one thing left for him to do that day. He smacked the elevator button restlessly. Everyone in the lobby stared at his wet and shivering silhouette. He had run as fast as he could without letting his mind think another thought. The lift arrived and he rushed in, leaving behind a trail of dirty dripping water. Minus 25 he pressed. Malik was cooped up inside his office like any other day. Rubel stormed inside and launched his leg into the back of the couch. Malik went flying down on the ground. Before he was fully aware, Rubel had him by his neck for the lack of a collar on his t-shirt. This is what you do to my brother? He showed Malik the ad pamphlet. A disoriented Malik stared at his wet and sloppy face. As he opened his mouth to make excuses, Rubel crumpled up the pamphlet and shoved it in. You like it? He screamed. Chew it. Imagine how many homeless bozos have pissed on it. Then he did something that he had wished to do for a long while. With all the energy he had left in him for the day, he punched Malik's jaw, dislodging it. Disfigured and dislodged, he dropped Malik on the ground. Consider this as his resignation. Sir, where to? The cabbie repeated for the second time. He had stepped inside a cab as soon as he left the building, but caught up in his thoughts. He didn't respond. E. By the cliff? The car slowly began crawling through the traffic that had resumed after the rain. He was now stretched out in the back seat, going over the last couple of months. All the ups and downs had taken a toll on his lungs and his knees. Wearing two layers of cloths had scorched his skin. He had forgotten the last time when he had been at peace. It was all behind. He had decided on making Rubel disappear. That night was Rubel's last night. From tomorrow, he was going to be just Obel. An Obel who is equally miserable and troubled as Rubel, but rich and powerful. The cab pulled over right at the porch. Rubel stepped out. He turned around and waved at the cabbie, telling him to wait while he fetched his fare from the inside. When he bent down to pick up the key from under the carpet, he felt a pat on his shoulder. Prison. Dark hope. Tomorrow afternoon. As he turned around to look, the cab was still there. Running, its doors opened, but the cabbie was gone.